Now, another big thing that I see too is is we're looking at this rise in plant-based alternative foods. Mm-hmm. I cringe. <laughs> I cringe. How do you really feel about this? <laughs> yeah. I could write a very large essay on it. But really the thing is, is, is the fake butters, the fake cheeses, the fake, you know, things. You guys, this, this is plastic. This is seed oils and plastic and it's inflaming you and it messes with insulin. So here's the crazy thing that I see. Some women will be very low carb in terms of their diet and they still have insulin resistance. What in the heck's going on? It's the seed oils and it's the plant-based stuff like the fake cheeses and the fake butters. And I'll see it over and over again. And it's because the liver gets bogged down. Hey there, my friends, this is Dr. Anthony Balduzzi, and I want to welcome you to this new episode here on the Fit Mother Project podcast. Today, we're joined by guest expert, Dr. Janine Kraus. She is a naturopathic doctor, an acupuncturist, and overall just a woman who is doing so much great work in the world to help other busy women age well and have fantastic health and vitality well into old age. Dr. J, as we call her, is also a paddleboard adventurer, a recovering stressaholic, and just someone who has a lot of practical wisdom on what it takes to get healthy. Um, And I met Dr. J because I was actually a guest on her podcast called The Health Fix Podcast, which is a wonderful show that I'll mention throughout this episode. She has over 300 different episodes talking about all things health and wellness. And she's been a clinician practicing for over 17 years, and she's helped hundreds of women regain better health and vitality. And in today's episode, we really key in on some of her foundational thinking around aging and what she calls the five factors that are aging accelerators. We talk about inflammation. We talk about stress, metabolic dysfunction, gut microbiome stuff, as well as insulin resistance. So it's really cool to get some perspective from Dr. J on how all of this ties together and how all of us can live healthier lives with a body that's more free and open, that's working better, producing energy and aging really well, which means we look good, we feel good, and we feel like we have a good sense of what we should be doing with our bodies. So this is a great conversation. I definitely consider it a power hour that I think you're really going to enjoy. And you're also going to get a sense of the kind of medicine that Dr. J practices, which is naturopathic medicine, a kind of holistic medicine that brings in so many different modalities from acupuncture to nutrition to herbal medicine, and just looking at the body as the integrated whole that it actually is. And not just like, oh, you have cholesterol, here's a statin medication. It's like, wait a second, what's the root cause here? And how do we actually get something that's sustainable long-term and not just popping another pill? So Dr. J is an expert at that, and I'm glad that we're welcoming her onto the show today. So let's get into today's episode with Dr. Janine Krauss. Dr. Janine Krauss, aka Dr. J, welcome officially to the Fit Mother Project podcast. Thanks, Dr. Anthony. This is fun. And I think this is one of those beautiful things about being in this new internet age, which I know when you started to practice, it wasn't the case that doctors were collaborating via podcasts, you know, 17 years of your clinical experience. It was like, maybe you called someone up and you share some case notes and stuff like that. Um, But it's really amazing that we're here now and you have an amazing podcast that I was so grateful and happy to have been a guest on, which is the Health Fix podcast. So if anyone here wants to get like a really, really great podcast and you have over 300 episodes, they can check that out. And today I want to bring you on to talk about 
basically the process that you lead women through to help them age well. And I guess what that means, in my opinion, is helping their body systems work well with low inflammation, good cardiometabolic health, strength, vitality, good cosmetic and beauty. And you have like a really strong framework and program for that that you've run many, many people through. So I'm excited to talk about this. And I, I think a nice way to lead into it is for you to share a little bit of your story, uh, perhaps how you both got into medicine and how you became passionate about helping women age well and and just, you know, why you do what you do. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, I kind of fell into becoming a naturopath and acupuncturist. My mom was dealing with breast cancer and she was really fatigued and her naturopathic doctors were like, Hey, go see an acupuncturist. Coincidentally, at the same time, I was getting my driver's license. And so I had my learner's permit. So I wanted to drive anywhere anytime. So I literally drove her to all of her sessions with the acupuncturist and with the naturopath. And I just found it like incredibly like mind blowing. Let me put it that way. As, as a kid, you're like, "Eh, you know, doctors, whatever I'm going to ignore, but I'm like, wow, they're doing so many things with her and saw her like go in for acupuncture, dragging, looking kind of gray and ashen and then comes out and she's back to life. And I'm like, what kind of weird things are they doing in there? You know, so, and at the time, I mean, I grew up in the Midwest, so it's acupuncture at that time in the, in the early nineties was kind of still woo woo and hippie here. And so of course I was kind of a little bit, you know, under that understanding that it was weird. So, and being a kid, you're like, what the heck? But the doc was really cool. Noticed that I was super interested in it and he took me around and would show me other patients and tell people that I was his assistant. He was so cute. So I got to learn a lot about acupuncture. And then with the naturopaths, they just kind of brought me in too and showed me different things they were doing with my mom. And I was like, wow, I go to my mom's doctor and she gets one thing, chemo you know, and I go to these folks and we've got all kinds of tools in the toolbox. And I'm like, this is pretty cool. I I like it. So that kind of got me into the whole naturopathic medicine and acupuncture thing. And then as I got older, as I started to see my mom's health decline, she eventually did pass after 10 bouts of, of cancer and having lots of, you know, conversations with her about her breast health. It dawned on me that even though she was a nurse, she didn't have a lot of foundational information about how to take care of her health and how to access care. She found a lump in her breast and the doc was like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. You can wait a year. Well, it went from probably stage one to stage four in a matter of a year. Mm. Had she known to get thermography, had she known, you know, that there are better ways to eat, you know, yes, the naturopaths had her on certain particular ways of eating, but no one was really talking about detoxing hormones per se at that point and and working on other things she could have done. And so unfortunately, you know, she passed. And in my mind, I was like, if she would have known there was thermography, if she would have known that she could have done an independent ultrasound, maybe she'd still be alive. And maybe other women, you know, might benefit from this information too. So yeah, that's how that's how it all started. That's really, really powerful and interesting. And I, I mean, I think like something like breast cancer, which affects many, many women is something that this naturopathic medicine, holistic medicine is just so equipped to help on, on many deep levels beyond just the therapies. 
And what's interesting as I reflect on my own life is my father passed away from cancer. And I was also exposed to acupuncture because after he had brain surgery, one of the things that I found fascinating is to help him regain neurologic function after they cut out parts of his brain he would get acupuncture treatments and it actually legitimately helped. I saw his like his his nervous system and his motor control begin to wake up through that process. So it's cool that acupuncture was a way that you and I both found this. It was like a really nice entry point. Now, yeah. I want to talk about aging and aging mm-hmm. well, particularly for busy moms and, and those that are getting into 40s, 50s, 60s. Like you have this pretty much nailed and I know it's like multifactorial and everyone needs to ultimately put in the work, but you have a really strong framework for how this works and the different categories to look at that I want to get into. And also you practice what you preach and you look fantastic. You have great energy always when I speak with you. So it's obviously you're putting into your life. So there's a lot of integrity behind what you say. So I want people to really take weight in your words. Now, from some of your materials that I've read, there are five aging accelerators that you speak about. Inflammation, stress, metabolic dysfunction, microbiome imbalance, your gut microbiome, and insulin resistance. Those are the five. And I want to dive into these and, and ideally like paint a landscape for people so they understand like how current lifestyle and most people's lifestyles is, is creating problems in these areas, but maybe also what we can do in each of those. So if you'd be so happy, please kick us off with inflammation. How is inflammation related to aging? And, and, and feel free to give us some good old naturopathic education on like understanding the infl- inflammation process and what healthy inflammation is versus unhealthy. Just take it away, please, on that. Sure, sure. So... Obviously, you know, inflammation right now is a hot topic. A lot of people talk about aging, but yeah, do we really know what it is? In terms of inflammation, when we have an injury, our body will become inflamed to heal it up. We'll get more white blood cells to the area. We'll have more histamines coming. We'll have increased circulation and maybe even some swelling in that area. But when it becomes your whole body starts to swell, you end up getting rashes and you're like, what in the world is going on? Now we've got a systemic thing going on. And unfortunately, with inflammation, it really, you know, over and over again, I've found that it boils down to a certain amount of inflammation the body can deal with, meaning, you know, you're you're eating foods that are, have seed oils, right? For example, or, or we're eating out, we're, we're in, exposing ourselves to toxins, like say we're drinking wine and it's a habit and, you know, yeah, it's nice to relax, but now we're noticing that, you know, we're not feeling so great from it the next day. We're becoming more sensitive to things. We're thinking, gosh, you know, it seems like I'm allergic to this food or that food. I know we'll say allergic, but meaning sensitive. And so it eventually builds kind of like a barrel over time. And then to the point where we get this overflowing, where the body starts to have aches and pains, we're starting to just feel like crap versus a a better term. And we're gaining weight and we're puffy and we're like, what in the heck is happening? This is the point where inflammation has gone beyond being controlled to uncontrolled. And it really does boil down to a lot of underlying stuff that we, we kind of have an idea, I think, about it now, Dr. Anthony, but I think a lot of people are not coming to terms with how much our stress from our life, our mental thoughts, and even our environment are, are having play here. And, and so I'll have a lot of folks yeah. come to me, and maybe you have folks too like this, that they're like, I'm at my wit's end. I've, I've, I'm eating healthy you know, I'm, I'm eating what I was told that's healthy. You know, maybe we're into the low fat, you know, milks and dairies and things. And, you know, and perhaps we're doing some of some exercise and perhaps we're maybe in the other side of things and a lot of exercise, running marathons, things of that nature. And we're like, man, I'm doing all the things, but I, I'm aging fast. I'm swelling. I, my, everything hurts. My skin hurts. And it's like, whoa, 
what the heck do I do here? So, you know, probably you as I with, with naturopathic medicine and how we look at things, we're like, okay, clearly there's a whole body system that's affected. What affects the whole body? Yeah. Your nervous system and the vagus nerve. So I, yeah. I like to look at that first. So that's like really how categories one and two, category one being inflammation yeah. and two stress, like play a huge role. I mean, they're like massively connected, let alone the fact that the category two stress is going to impact our food decisions. We don't sleep as well, more unhealthy inflammation and stuff like that. I want to get into like um, inflammation, drill down a little bit more and talk yeah. about like what you think like some of the main triggers are for people. I know for me, as a guy who has very dialed in good health routines, the main things that I can do to cause inflammation myself are one, probably like not sleeping or recovering well, but two, eating the wrong kinds of foods. Like there are certain foods for my body. If I eat too much dairy or too much wheat or certain things absolutely cause inflammation. I see it in terms of like bloating, water weight gain retention, just not feeling good, feeling kind of blah. So I know if I want to create inflammation, I can eat certain things. And if I actually fast or eat the right kinds of foods, I don't feel like the inflammation switch gets like turned off or in a healthy thing. So speak to me about what you think some of the common inflammatory triggers and like how even quote unquote healthy foods kind of plays into different people and what they're eating. Absolutely. Absolutely. You hit it. Yes. Wheat and dairy. Some people it's a corn thing. Some folks will, you know, have some tortilla chips and guac and they're like, man, every time yeah. I do that, I feel awful. Or for, for women in particular, what I find overall is if it's chips and, and kind of more of the savory things, the inflammation shows up as swelling and sometimes swelling in the ankle, sometimes the belly, sugary yeah. stuff, the rings get tight. Yeah. And, and that's another mm -hmm. really hardcore symptom and, and joint feel like they're crunchy, don't move as well. Yeah. That's another huge one. And, and this is why part of my programs, I have a lot of tracking and I know you do too, to, to help people kind of connect like these, I do this and this happens. Another one, like you said, is staying up late. But also I think for a lot of folks, we're working, we're working long hours. Some days we have yeah. more mental taxing hours. And, and mm -hmm. I have found that mental, like, stronger mental days where we're like doing, I call it mental gymnastics, we will end up having more inflammation. And for a lot of women, it can show up even as puffiness under the eyes when there's been a lot more thought processes going on throughout the day. It's not just foods. You know, obviously alcohol is going to be a big factor and sometimes how much is, is yeah. a biggie too. And the other ones that I really find with some of my folks that are let's call it weekend warriors, they'll go out mm -hmm. and bang out like a really long hike and then can't move as well for the next week or two. And <laughs> that can be a big like wake up call because unfortunately, you know, we we have a system with our bodies that we have to figure out how, how can we recover better. So those are some of the more common things. I will also see, and this might be for certain folks, uh, a little bit of a wake up call too, is that certain environments meaning environments that are more dense with electromagnetic frequencies. You know, you might have a For friend sure. that has a house next to a cell phone tower or something. Um, I found that days where you're on the phone more. And so looking at that kind of thing too is is really huge. And for women, it can be migraines in that department. It could be twitching of the eyes that can kind of come in mm -hmm. also a long day on your computer. So those are some of the ones that I, I commonly see. I don't know if you're seeing these as well, but I'm guessing they're, they're probably pretty common. For sure. Yeah. And I think like it becomes like a whole lifestyle awareness to be 
to, to, to identify what your triggers are and the tracking is helpful on that. Personally, I also feel like I'm always thinking for most people, they should have some in-slot good natural anti-inflammatories that can just be a part of their, like, their buffer system. So whether that's getting the good omega-3 fatty acids through supplement or cold water fatty fish or something like that, hemp seeds, chia seeds, or whether that is taking a, a bioavailable curcumin product or something mm-hmm. like that seems like mm-hmm. good options. Do you, for people in your programs or people that you support, do you recommend someone take like just like a basic natural anti-inflammatory as like kind of a part of just well-being in that age bracket? Absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the things that I tie it to, too, for women in particular is I have women who are still getting their periods tracking their periods because we can have different levels of sensitivity and inflammation depending on if we're in the, you know, follicular first half of the period and Mm-hmm. If we're in ovulation compared to the luteal phase. And so, yeah, I use a lot. I use a lot of turmeric and I use a lot of um, what's known as systemic enzymes. And and those guys mm-hmm. seem to also be really big game changers for folks. I'm guessing yeah. you probably do that as well. For sure. And I think I want people to really understand what these are. It's like people have probably yeah. gone to different stores and seen like digestive enzymes, mm-hmm. but there's a certain class of enzymes, various ones that break down proteins in the body. You take them on an empty stomach and they're really, really powerful for breaking down a whole bunch of bad stuff. Like people who have clotting disorders, there's a lot of enzymes like natokinase, lumbrokinase, like that can help thin the blood. So it's really cool that you use the systemic enzymes. And if someone wants to take enzymes, I'd love for you to get some take on that, but also like know that these are empty stomach things typically like first thing in the morning or without food is going to be the way to get the most benefit. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, for certain women, just to kind of take it to the perimenopausal side of things, I will often have women look at their cycle and when the estrogen is typically going to be higher and when it drops off, targeting it, depending on how you feel. Cause some women going into Mm -hmm. ovulation will start to feel aches, pains, puffy. And I'm like, this is the time to do those systemic enzymes. Like, no, there's, it's a great time. And then heading back into the period again to that week before. And like you said, yeah, I, I pair it with when someone's fasting or I'll do it overnight mm-hmm. if need be. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's really cool. Now mm-hmm. let's get into like the second pillar. We just covered inflammation. Mm-hmm. Well, stress. Now you mentioned like, uh, we all the kind of a concept of what stress is. Um, tell, tell us how this like plays into like health span lifespan. And of course, we'll get into some things that you think are good for helping people recover and create more resilience in the nervous system. Absolutely. So my take on stress really is that a lot of us are not aware of the impact that it truly is having on us. We can feel stressed. We might feel overwhelmed and we'll be like, yeah, I'm so stressed out. But when we're not in a state where everything, you know, we're aware of it, it's it's harder for folks to really pinpoint how they may be still stuck in fight or flight mode. So for those of you who are listening, our autonomic nervous system, I call it the automatic nervous system, it is in charge of whether we are in fight or flight or freeze mode, which for a lot of ladies metabolism wise, that can be where we can get stuck and be really frustrated with our weight and and how we look. And then we have the other side, the rest, the digest and chill side, which is your parasympathetic state. This is the state we want to be in more often hands down. So so what I actually see this as long-term, the more that we're stuck sympathetic, the more the body thinks it's running marathons all day. Well, 
If yes. anyone listening has ran a marathon all day, you know how you feel afterwards and probably for a couple of days afterwards. Mm-hmm. So imagine that compounded by 40, 50, 60 years. Yeah. What kind of wear and tear would that do on a body, let alone the totally. ca- a car if we went that many miles? Yeah. So I, I think of it as compounded, but then I also think about the nervous system in an energetic way and the way my my Midwest brain has broken this down and found it to be really useful to think about is that we are energetic beings. We have ions like sodium and potassium and chloride. They all have mm-hmm. charges. Yep. When yep. we have too much stress for too long, our charges get off. Now, if we can't recharge ourselves much like our batteries or how we plug something in, now we've got yep. issues. And I think that compounds with mm-hmm. the inflammation because we can't move fluids across the gut across the brain across yeah. our nerves to create nerve signaling too. So I'm really big into ions and and cell salts mm-hmm. and homeopathics that help yeah. with our charges as a whole. For sure. And to bring it back to cancer, what they found is like a lot of cancer cells have disruption in their negative healthy charge. They become more relatively positive too. So like on a cellular level, this is all that inflammation is manifesting as a change in voltage on a cellular level, you're losing voltage. Uh, and that's also why we know a lot of these good things like connecting and grounding and earthing and like the things that make us feel good when we're outside are often like working on these these voltages as let alone like minerals and all this stuff. So it's beautiful how it does all kind of come back to uh, passing electrons and electricity and voltage differentials and our cells like know what they want to do. It's just the stress is crushing us. And I think also like animals that are very like that don't live long lives like a mouse Mouse is like a really nervous creature, fast heart rate, always looking that it's something is going to eat it, doesn't live a long time, very sympathetic drive versus like a tortoise. These things live to like 100 years. They are straight chilling. They have an <laughs> armored shell and they're just eating lettuce and like r- walking around like they're in a, a rest and digest. And I like to think is like if you're putting on the gas all the time, you're really burning your lifeline and your wick down. And when those stress hormones are high, it's breaking down your collagen and your skin it's causing different hormones to be metabolized differently. So that that's where it's fascinating, where it comes down to like physical stress, which could be exercise or lack of sleep or, you know, just pushing really hard, having a mentally taxing day. And then there's this other side of like mental, emotional relationship mm-hmm. to our lives that's we create this like psychosomatic driven stress. So for you, I'd really love to ask because you do so many things, your programs, your clinic, you know, your outdoor adventures and all the stuff like you do, how, how have you learned to like relate to your life in a way to like reduce maybe the mental and emotional stress burden and just to become more at peace with your life, like that side of things, not just like sleep more, do these kinds of exercises. I love that you asked me that because honestly, some of why I'm here educating women today is because I literally at the peak of, um, just before COVID really, um, was, so stressed out, so burnt out. Practice was, you know, cranking. I have lots of people and I was at the brink of like complete burnout. And I had to change my exact thought process. And you know, you, you beat yourself up a lot when you when you're a naturopathic doctor. You're like, I know better than this. I know that I, you know, need yeah. to be outside. I need to do these things. And so literally I had to become a different person when it came to taking care of me. Because as as women, we are we are very driven to take care of everybody mm-hmm. else but ourselves. It's like in our DNA, I swear. We we've been primed yeah, for and, sure. 
And and it's hard. It's really hard to break it. I mean, I probably was in burnout about two years before I actually really realized it, to be honest. Yeah. And, and, and so really the best things for me was going, okay, who do I have to become to be able to take care of others, but also still have my, my enjoyment for life? Because I was just living, mm-hmm. but I wasn't experiencing at, yeah. at all. So what I do now is I, every morning I wake up, I'm like, okay, got to get the workout on because that is for me, fuel for me. I, yeah. I am, I have to do it. And there was no excuses on that. And so I, I had that as, as a foundation, but for folks that are looking for something a little more unique than, oh, I work out. My, my other side of things is I had to make sure that I built into every single day breaks where I got outside. And if the weather was good, I was out there with my shoes off. Or if the weather wasn't, I was out there and I was in the dirt and and I was playing with my garden. And this yeah. is, you know, I know not everybody loves to grow and, and do things of that nature. You have to know like, what is it that you love, you want to do? And what is it that when you're sitting there and you're like, I just want to be outside or I just want to do this, mm-hmm. go for that and build it into your day. And so I had to become a person that was okay with taking breaks during the day. Cause I used to look at people who yeah. take breaks, they're out there smoking. I'm like, oh, they're so lazy. Turns out they might've <laughs> been smarter. They might've been. So I love that you built in these, these intentional like self-care times and it can look mm-hmm. many different ways. Mm-hmm. And it's fascinating because I think, you know, we all know intuitively when we're not living in a way that is filling our cup up and we're just pouring out and we're feeling more depleted and more depleted. So it's like, it's all about finding these, they don't have to be dramatic gestures. Like you take a week off and do something. They could be the small micro moments. And I'll give another plug for oftentimes just due to the human geometry of how we're designed, getting out in nature, fresh air, sunlight, good water, like take a walk. Like these things are, are very, very helpful. Um, did you, have you done any like a prayer or journaling meditation, anything like this to start to like analyze your thinking patterns and maybe some of your ego structures, personality structures. Has that been a part of your life at all? Uh, yes. Yes. It had to be. It had to be because th- this this brain was wired real hard to push myself into the ground. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was. Yeah. And so I, Abraham Hicks, God love her, you know, a lot of that work, I did some brain rewiring work with Bob Doyle. I I did a lot of work with John Asaraf too. And, mm-hmm. and folks who are listening, these are three folks who are all about looking at your source and looking at yourself and going, okay, how can I work on being happy every day? What can I do to change my energetic vibe to feel better every day? So yes, I did a lot of that. And now it's kind of come down to when I wake up in the morning before I get out of bed, I will focus on like, usually it's my fan or something in the bedroom and like focus on that and just let the thoughts kind of come in so I get my good downloads for the day. And then I also use walking quite a bit as a meditation to just slow me down because otherwise I'm... I am, you know, that part of me is still there. I just had to rewire how it works. Nice. That was great. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I like everyone who is listening to this, you can also like rewind, skip back and write down some of those names, Abraham mm-hmm. Hicks, John Asraf, and I wasn't sure of the other one, but like overall, very, mm-hmm. very good resources to start to look at. Now mm-hmm. to keep us on track of our, of our five categories of aging, we've covered yeah. inflammation and stress. We have three that are very related, metabolic dysfunction, 
microbiome imbalance and insulin resistance. And I think like, let's talk about metabolic dysfunction. And I think you will be talking about insulin resistance and probably even microbiome imbalance. So this might become like a hybrid thing, but like, what does it mean to have metabolic function? And what does it mean to have metabolic dysfunction? How does this show up in people? And like, how is it also showing up at like, at a population level, not just with individuals, but what are we seeing right now with like the standard American? And what does it mean to have metabolic dysfunction? Sure. Sure. The standard American right now has the slowest metabolic function in the universe. And where it's coming from, it, you know, we're, I know it sounds terrible, but it is what it is. And, and really where it's coming from on a foundational level is, is we're looking at a liver and cells from the liver and your cells in general that are not making energy for you and not detoxing well for you. They're kind of sluggish. Yeah. And, oh, you know, we, we you could just look around. Every time I go out in public, I'm more and more looking at the size of folks and how people's ankles are so swollen. And I'm not judging. Yeah. I'm looking at it going like, oh my God, how can I help? You know, like this, this kills me. So that's kind of the big level of where I'm seeing things show up. And then if we dial it in, when I talk about metabolic health, I'm talking about circulation as a foundation yeah. here. because Obviously, acupuncture, Chinese medicine, for those of you who are familiar, we talk a lot about qi and blood flow. So energy and blood flow. Mm -hmm. Circulation has to happen. If it's not, we're going to have a slow metabolism because one, the body gets used to that slowness. But two, if you're not just mm -hmm. pumping the blood, we, we have some issues. And so circulation as a whole is something I see and, and I'll, we'll, I'll see it in folks' skin. You'll see it in ankles. You'll mm -hmm. see it, you know, if someone yeah. does take their shoes off, like they're purple or they're, you know, they're varicose veins. Yeah. You're going, oh, and, and one of the things that I really like to call out is, is what's happening in your feet and what's happening in your varicose veins. This is a backup of your <laughs> liver. This is your yeah. liver, folks. You think of it as circulation, so, you know, solely, but this is circulation through your liver. And, and so when mm -hmm. I talk about all of the, the metabolic, you know, what's a good metabolism versus a bad, not a bad, a dysregulated metabolism. I'm looking at a good metabolism has good circulation. So this means not only are we getting blood flow moving, we're also breathing well, which I didn't yeah. mention before about one of the things that I had to become a better breather too, to, to help <laughs> myself. Breathing, like who would have thought, oops, getting all excited. Who would have thought a basic function of life would cause you to have less cellular metabolic activity. Go figure. Right. So, <laughs> you know, something in naturopathic school, I never, it didn't click for me. It didn't. And, and now it totally has. And, and I think as a whole, folks who have good metabolisms are good breathers. They're good movers. Mm -hmm. And, and they're, yeah. they have balance in terms of, of course, diet with watching the sugars. But also we think so much, a lot of women put so much on so much weight on the thyroid. And yep. really the thyroid, I think the casualties we're having in, in society right now with so much hypothyroidism, this is toxicity. This is this yeah, isn't sure. that folks, you know, have so much genetics. Broken thyroids at large. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because and I'm sure you've seen this too, is like a lot of times, you know, folks will come in and say, My doc told me my thyroid levels are normal. Well, yeah, because your thyroid probably works fine. It's your cells. And so I talk a lot about cellular hypothyroidism to the point where this is, this is a metabolic dysfunction here. And, and folks, it's, yes, you might need more selenium. Yes, you know, you could benefit from watching the goitrogenic foods. But honestly, 
a lot of times it boils down to circulation and breathing and simple stuff. So, you know, I I look at that a lot and I I see that as kind of one of the the mismatches there. So that plays a lot out in, in metabolism as a whole is what your capability on a cellular level is to convert T4. So the what's coming out of the thyroid is your thyroid hormone. So T3 for those of you guys who are listening. And then your your uptake. I will run those laps all day long just to see like, is it a cell thing? Because so many people, and I'm sure you see this too, they take copious amounts of thyroid hormone replacement yeah. and nothing's happening at all. Mm-hmm. And And for women, it's our weight's not coming off. We're getting frustrated. Our hair is falling out. And it's like, mm-hmm. what the heck? So yeah. Yeah. That's kind of how I see the difference between a healthy metabolic system. We've got a good, and I, and, and dare I say this, a good cellular thyroid function. And I don't really, yeah. I mean, I care about the thyroid, but good cellular thyroid function, good balance of the blood sugar, healthy liver yeah. and healthy blood flow. Those are like my four there. And then we'll get into microbiome in them later. Hey, it's Dr. Ray. I want to quickly pause this episode to thank you so much for listening to this Fit Mother Project podcast. I am just blown away at how amazing this podcast has become, all the powerful stories, all the great expert interviews. And I am so grateful for you for tuning in and being here with everything we're creating here at the Fit Mother Project. And I just wanted to pause to acknowledge you and thank you again for listening. Please keep listening and tuning in to all the great stuff we're doing here at the FMP. Let's get back to today's episode. I want to ask you very specifically, like what it means, because I know someone's thinking this to like be a better breather, because you talked about <laughs> how foundational oxygen is. So like, what what is good breathing in, in your opinion? What did you need to change and learn about your breath? And how would you suggest people start to become more aware and improve their breathing? Because we know this whole oxygen thing is kind of important for cellular health. And like, we need to be able to do it in a way that works and is parasympathetic and is healthy. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what I mean by becoming a better breather is really being aware of how you breathe in the first place. I'll give you my backstory. I would hold my breath. I was really great at like not breathing for a while. And then I just sigh out of nowhere. And people would be like, <laughs> my my assistant at my office would always be like, are you gonna take a breath today? You know, it, it was strange where I would hold. Now, granted, there's some theories in which holding your breath is a good thing. And I did take training with Patrick McEwen um, from the Oxygen yeah. Advantage so that I could be a better breather. And I also found that in, in fitness, I, I always sucked at figuring out where to breathe with weights. Like I'd be in the bottom of a squat with a bar and being like, am I supposed to breathe or not? I don't know. Oh God, I'm just going to go, you know? So <laughs> that was my other clue. And my coaches were like, yeah, you suck at breathing. So becoming a better breather meant me learning a little bit about how breathing works. And I was never quite a mouth breather. And I, I mean this with all the, the love in my heart for those of you that breathe a little bit more, more through your mouth, but I did have to learn how to breathe more through my nose. And I did have to learn with mouth breathing in terms of fitness, because I did do that a little bit if I was running or, or something a little bit more intense. So I found that breathing through my nose worked better for me not ideal for everybody, but it's, there's some books out there that, you know, you you take your own opinion on it. But I found that I had to be conscious about taking deeper breaths and working with rhythmic styles of breathing, because I tended to be short with breaths. And then when I wasn't short, I just was holding my breath. And, and so 
over time, I found that my carbon dioxide levels on my labs actually went up, which is something that I will clue into when I see folks' labs and, and the carbon dioxide levels off and, they're, and not being in a good range. I'm going, hmm, you're messing with your pH balance when you don't breathe yeah. well. That's, that's where we get to on that and circulation. But yeah, I, I literally had to go through a course to teach myself how to breathe better because all the yoga that I had done in the past, it didn't work. And I'll be honest, I, I, I wasn't great at yoga. I'm, I'm, I was in the uncoordinated <laughs> yoga class. Um, but yeah. it's, you know, I, I really do recommend folks test out their breathing. There's something called the Bolt Score. If you guys look at mm -hmm. theoxygenadvantage.com, you'll find the Bolt Score there. And it will tell you how long, you know, you could take normal deep in and, you know, breath in, breath out with your nose and then holding your breath, see how long you can hold. And, and now this might sound weird because I said I was holding my breath before, but what I was doing was breathing shallow, not taking good deep breaths. It was like shallow breaths, hold, shallow breaths, hold. And, and we need the deeper breaths to help balance this out. So that was a lot yeah. into breathing. I don't know if you wanted that. No, it's, it's, no, it's, it's a great, no, I did. I mean, I think it's so foundational, right? It's so simple mm -hmm. that we overlook it because it just happens automatically. And yet it's, it's really power for our cells. And I think it's another plug to kind of stack in this awareness of breathing into the concept of taking work breaks into the concept of getting outside and getting grounded or taking, you know, getting in your garden or whatever. But like, if you're not always aware of what your breathing's like when you're working, but like you can start to create more awareness and then it can, it can shift in time, right? We're breaking old neurologic patterns and we're getting new ones. And I think what you find when you do start breathing, I, I'm going to make a strong vote for primarily through your nose. Um, I know mm -hmm. high intensity exercise may make that so that's not the case, but the nose breathing increases nitric oxide and, and is is so helpful and it keeps you in a more parasympathetic state. So that's good. Yeah. And then I'll also make another plug for some kind of like prayer, meditation, or con contemplative practice where you actually like very intentionally get connected into the body and the breath. And, and for me, now that I've done this for so many years, I kind of feel like it's a nice little like home that mm -hmm. I'm always part of my awareness is always in. I'm in my body. I'm feeling the rhythmic breath. It's slowed down, which honestly correlates with a slower, a healthier heart. Your heart doesn't need to work as work as hard in terms of beats per minute when you're getting more oxygen from more complete and proper breathing. So that's there's so many cool benefits to all of that. Now, microbiome and insulin resistance. These are another two things. I think we'll do insulin resistance first because it's a super hot topic. Um, you know, we're now learning like, oh man, like turns out that when your insulin's not regulated well, not only are you experiencing weight gain, but cognitive decline, hormone issues. And it's a byproduct of this like high sugar processed food to eating too frequently kind of lifestyle that so many of us are on. So speak into that insulin resistance and longevity, and also maybe inform us on like how you eat and how you like to suggest people eat to have healthy insulin. This could be types of foods as well as maybe timing. Let's speak into what we can do to have healthy insulin signaling and why that matters. Sure. Sure. So yeah, I run in, like fasting insulin labs on everyone that comes into my practice because I want to know this data on folks because I want to know like if you aren't making enough, you know, insulin, because that can be a factor. There are a few folks that have that, but then most folks unfortunately will be on the very high end of, of insulin and will have hemoglobin A1Cs, which is kind of like your blood sugar over time of sorts. It's, I like to think of it as how sticky is the sugar in your blood grabbing your hemoglobins. So for, for that, I, I will see a lot of folks too, right on that border of not quite diabetic, pre-diabetic or pre-diabetic slash not quite pre-diabetic. There's a lot of borderline situations going on. Yeah. So what I, what I, see it as is 
two things. One, a lot of women are over consuming some processed carbs that are considered healthy. Things like rice crackers, you know, they seem benign. Yeah. Depending on what kinds, they might be minimal, you know, in terms of ingredients. But unfortunately, when you get a little emotional, sometimes an alien takes over and the whole package goes away and you have no idea what happened. That yeah. can be some of what's going on there. And pair it with, you know, back to the emotional eating stress response thing. This is a, a very big hand in hand thing that I see. Now, another big thing that I see too is, is we're looking at this rise in plant based alternative foods. Mm -hmm. Ugh. I cringe. <laughs> I cringe. How do you really feel about those? <laughs> yeah. I could write a very large essay on it. But really the thing is, is, is the fake butters, the fake cheeses, the fake, yeah. you know, things. You guys, this, this is plastic. This is seed oils and plastic and it's inflaming you and it messes with insulin. So here's the crazy thing that I see. Some women will be very low carb in terms of their diet and they still have insulin resistance. What in the heck's going on? It's the seed oils and it's the plant-based stuff like the fake cheeses and the fake butters. And I'll see it over and over again. And it's because the liver gets bogged down. Now, obviously we also have another phenomenon that, that folks probably have included into, we know that high fructose corn syrup isn't great, but unfortunately it shows up in a lot of our foods. You got to read your freaking labels, guys. You have yeah. to. There's so many like corn syrup and sugar in the same thing. And it's a carb meal. What do you think is going to happen? You know, it's like yep. mainlining this stuff. So, and, yeah. and I think, as I mentioned before, the biggest thing for women who are trying to eat well and they're doing, you know, they're, they're quote, doing all the things we don't tie in that we crave these foods with all the, the I call them insulin resistance foods. We crave them when we're emotionally stressed, when we're you know, at yep. the end of a long day. And so now we have a twofold factor that your higher cortisol levels that are already gonna have your blood sugar up, then you eat these things. Now you've got double trouble in, in that side of things. And so it took me a long time, I will be honest, to realize that a lot of my quote, health foods, may have been jacking with me and my weight and my metabolism. Yeah. And so it took me to go, oh, wow, okay, why do I have insulin resistance? Because for the most part, my diet, I eat veggies, I eat lean proteins, I eat a lot of game meat these days since I live in Wisconsin most of the time. There's lots of venison that our neighbors will trade for all kinds of stuff. We don't hunt, but mm -hmm. the food's good. Um, so I shifted towards eating a lot in that pattern. And then my carbs are coming more from squashes and sweet potatoes and things of that nature because I found that my body was extremely sensitive to any crackers, chips, things yeah. of that nature that I love and would mow like down on, especially like after the end of a hard day at work or something that stressed me out. Yeah. So this is, this is a big deal. It's a really big deal. And let alone if the pattern of having those late night carb eatings is, is like totally out of sync with what our normal circadian rhythm would be where towards the end of the day, the last thing our body metabolism would want is to have jacked up high yeah. metabolic demands, let alone tons of sugar when we're trying to like get the system to like chill and relax and like yeah. restore and have lower insulin and higher growth hormones. So uh, late night high carbohydrates. And I'll say too, like, I don't know what the deal is with like sweet potatoes, but I think they work so well for many people. And I'll say like myself too, like 
I do really well off of them. They're a great carbohydrate to, be, to include in dinner that's still kind of fun. And there's so many things you can do with those. So plus for that, plus they have the good prebiotic fiber, which I think is a good segue into our next category, which is something that is um, what I think what honestly naturopathic medicine does as good as anything is really looking at like the digestion system as it relates to whole health and particularly now this microbiome, this whole environment of all the different microbes, the bacteria, the fungi, all the things, the viruses even that that live natively in our, our bodies and, and, and interface with us and our neurotransmitters. So what's going on with people's guts? Like why are so many people having issues that we didn't see so long ago? And like, what do you believe is important just as like good prescriptive general advice for women who want to have better gut health and just healthier GI function microbiome? Oh my goodness. You know, I, I think it's the toxins in the food and the environment that are jacking with the gut yeah. combined with stress, like low level stress. Because I can have people eating and, and myself included, I, I for years did have some issues with my gut and really boiled down to realizing like, oh, wait, all of all of those nerves, that endocannabinoid system and the vagus nerve go all <laughs> to my to my gut. Right. Well, there you go. You know, instead of calling it IBS and being like, oh, I have IBS, you know, no big deal. I'm like, no, wait, mm -hmm. how can I I work on looking at when I eat? And so this was another part of becoming a new person around food. I literally would eat and multitask or eat on the run, eating in front of the mm -hmm. kitchen sink. I don't even know why I had a dinner yeah. table because that's what I would do. And, and a lot of women yeah. are like that. So for your microbiome, one of the really big things is sitting down to eat and experiencing your food, actually chewing it, getting the proper signaling going. Because I find a lot of people, if they eat too fast, that's messing with the microbiome too. I think our microbiomes are like, hey, you know, could you slow down a minute? I, I could handle things if you didn't just dump it all in at once. Sure. So so I'm I'm big on spending time enjoying your food, treating every meal like you are at the best French restaurant in a, in, in a cafe patio somewhere yeah. beautiful. Because I think we've lost that from our foundational health. So that's one of my biggies in terms of things. I'm Yes, I recommend probiotics and, and I will do in certain cases, certain microbiome shifting if I think I need to. But honestly, you know, the, the basics there, I love tributrin for helping with mm -hmm. colons in particular, especially ladies with a little bit more towards the constipated side of things as, as we get into this stage of life. It's, it's so huge to think about like, okay, how can we, we seal up our gut lining? How can we make it you know, just a little better? I love BPC-157, the peptide, for those types of things. So I go higher end on those. Tributrin and BPC are kind of my two if I'm gonna introduce something. That's and then awesome. from Fermented foods are, I have people eating fermented foods for their probiotics, kind of going back and digging in, digging in the dirt, get that soil going. Yeah. I think that's really beautiful because you're operating on like a very high level here. And what I love about the microbiome is like it can self-regulate as long as it's not getting disrupted. And that's like just how it works. So getting all the non-organic grains out of your life, like if you're having pesticide sprayed wheat or corn, or soy. And that's how I think a big problem with all of the fake plant foods too, is they're using yeah. like GMO atrazine sprayed soy. And no wonder it's like screwing you up majorly among other things. So get those offenders out. And then we talked about parasympathetic. So what you described was so brilliant because it's like, I'm going to eat food and I'm going to get myself into a parasympathetic state. So it's received well, it's slower. 
and it's a chance to kind of like restore. And this is another benefit. Like we know now for metabolic health, you don't have to eat all these frequent meals. Like you can have a really nice meal that you can sit down and enjoy. And like, you can have regulated blood sugar for a long time afterwards. Or some people eat one meal a day, two meals a day. But like, yes. if you can ha have that time be a little more intentional, that seems like a really good option. And then sneaking in those probiotics and prebiotics with the fermented foods and all that, just getting it through food food sources. And for those who aren't privy, like what you said about tributrin, mm -hmm. I think it'd be fun to sure. unpack that a little bit and relate it to butter and butyric acid in general. Because I think people need to learn more about like that powerful signaling molecule that we find in certain foods and also the fiber connection with that and what that all is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, tributrin, it's it's a it's kind of I guess the, for lack of a better term, tributrin is is the marketed term for it. But what it is, is it's encapsulated butyric acid. Because guys, if you had the old school capsules, we're lucky this day and age, because probably Dr. <laughs> Dr. Anthony remembers the old butyric acid capsules that smelled like rotten butter. They're pretty yeah, gross. It smells like rotten, rotten stuff, Ooh. yeah just not good. And trying to get someone to take those, like even worse. I, I almost was, you know, in a, in a camp of like, Hey, can we just get you to eat some butter? So butyric acid is one of the main things in butter. And that's why I'm like, don't do the plastic butters actually have the grass fed, good, yeah. solid butter, because this is a molecule that your little colon cells make. They they love it. They love it to help keep themselves healthy and they help it helps with moving yeah. the bowels along. And so I I love Tributrin now that it's been designed enough to be able to get the capsules now are will get you past the stomach and the intestines and into the colon so we could target specifically the colon with those. And and I I can't say enough about those. And and one thing I will mention too, because I didn't before, and I think we should mention it, is all the fake sugars too, the zero calorie yeah. stuff, like the sucralosas and For things. Sure. Ladies, they wreck these your are not your traps. friends. Yeah. The diet Coke mm -hmm. addiction, gosh, help us. Gosh, help us on that. Mm -hmm. So it, these things, tributrin is what I will often use when I find out that someone is coming off of a diet soda addiction or any of the things that have sucralose or any of the fake sugars. I'm still not even yeah. a fan of stevia unless it's green powder from the leaves that you actually sprinkle into something. Otherwise, it's processed. Monk fruit, I'm sure it doesn't come out white and powdery. So, you know... <laughs> Pretty sure yeah. it's processed. So these are the other things to be thinking about. So that's tributrin. And then do you want me to talk about BPC? Should I describe? Yeah, BPC I think it'd be cool. Outside? Please. So BPC sounds like a German U-boat. It is actually called body <laughs> protective complex. They're tiny little protein fragments that you make in your body, but we've figured out how to isolate it. Yes, it's in synthetic, but we figured out how to isolate it. And this stuff, oh my gosh, game changer for the gut. And, and really for yeah. those of you who have tried like glutamine and you've tried, so the amino acid glutamine, you've tried bone broths and you've tried that and you don't seem to be getting anywhere, BPC, just a game changer for that. It helps with tendon and yeah. ligaments too, but I, I can't say enough about it. I would say that for a lot of women who just can't seem to get things dialed in, BPC kind of just solidifies everything. It's good stuff. And it's, it's oral. You can get it in mm. capsules, which is so nice. And imagine stacking that with like something like the butyric acid, the, the better forms, like that's solid. And I, I would say like, obviously that's a healing protocol, but yes, it could be good to just run that once in a while. It's like, those are both like healthy things. I mean, BPC is probably something you more cycle, but overall, like really good. 
And if you have kids too that have any attention deficit disorder, mood disorders, got to improve their gut function and both of those things could be beneficial. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yes, I would cycle BPC, do a month on and a couple months off if you're going to do it. I typically for women, what I'll do with it is based on where they're at in their perimenopausal cycle. If they, they've come off like a rough month, we'll do a BPC round there. Or if someone's more athletic and they're running marathons or they're training for something, mm-hmm. I will tend to do a BPC then just because anyone who's an athlete will have more stress on the gut. And especially if you are a marathon yep. or biker, for some reason, those two two hobbies, I see rough gut stuff. So, Yeah, nice. Okay, the final bit is I know we've already covered a lot, but I think yeah. I, I'd be remiss not to ask you this based on your experiences. You use some cool technologies in your mm-hmm. practice to measure things, peg some data. Like mm-hmm. what would you share that's accessible for everyone who may doesn't have necessarily the fancy tech stuff that you may have or anything that you think is really, really relevant for people to track or trackers or tech stuff that you like. And it doesn't always have to be tracking. It could be some kind of light device, but you love the tech side too, which I think is super cool. So speak a little bit into that. I think everyone would benefit. Oh, picking one. Um, <laughs> you could pick more than one. I know I said one, but like a couple of heavy headers or stuff that you think is like really valuable and good for tech. That's also fairly accessible. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Actually, probably one of the best things that that I I love is the Lumen. It is a breath sensing device. It senses your carbon dioxide in your breath and it can tell if you're in carb or fat burn. And really it it was a game changer for me to help with my clients to really, you know, answer the question, Doc, what do I eat? And it's like, well, let's teach you what you eat. Your body's going to tell you right here. And in some cases with, with more severe insulin resistance, I'll pair it with the levels or, or a, levels is a membership for those of you guys that don't know for, for um, continuous glucose monitors, or I'll just get prescribed mm-hmm. someone a continuous glucose monitor so that we can see in real time what's going on with the blood sugar and pair it with carb fat burn to give us an idea of like, what's your fasting window? Because when you would ask me about food, I think everyone has their own window of what works best depending on where they're at in their cycle and depending on where they're at in life with your fasting window. So the Lumen's probably my my favorite, which anyone can get a hold of. It's a membership-based app. Now, if you're like, "Mm, I don't know if I want necessarily something of that nature, maybe you're more into trying to just nail down your your cycle a little bit better. An old school calendar, the free ones you get that you don't really know what to do with, you can track on those. So huge, not necessarily technology, but I have paired those with something called the temp drop. It's a band that you put on your arm and you sleep with it overnight and it senses your temperature. It doesn't emit EMFs. It's literally just a sensor here that's That's pulling... Yeah. And, and so you can take, you take it off in the morning and you sync it with your phone and it tells you what your temperatures are so that you can identify exactly when you're ovulating. Or if you're not ovulating and you're on this roller coaster, we can look at that and go, all right, this is where your period started. This is where, you know, the next cycle came. What do things look like? Where should we intervene with either bioidentical hormones, herbs, BPC, all the things? Cause if we can take what you've tracked in terms of your habits, your routines, what your body's triggered to do, even emotional eating, 
I have people track that. I have people track gas and bloating. I have people track all of their different hot flashes, et cetera, symptoms. And then if we lay it out on a chart in front of you, matching with your temperature, we can basically look and go, oh, you ovulated there. So that means this is the first half of your cycle. This is the second. (laughs) And then we intervene. That's probably my second favorite because I know a lot of people, not many people come into me and is like, hey doc, I want to figure out how to cycle my, you know, figure out my cycle. Nobody (laughs) says nobody ever. (laughs) It's more, what do I eat? What do I do? So yeah, I, well, I, I think like this, this is a really nice, it's a perfect segue here into like the fact that you literally do help people do this and you do it in an online format. So if someone listened to this up to this point and they actually would like to explore working with you and actually getting your support to dial in like the more advanced tracking aspect of this paired with the foundational stuff we covered, please tell people where they can check you out on your website and some of the stuff that you have going on there. Yes, absolutely. You can go over to Dr. Spelled Out, J-K-R-A-U-S-E, N is in Nancy, D is in dog for ND.com. So drjkrausnd.com. That's where I've got all my details. I've got a quiz you can take to see kind of where you might be, you know, accelerating your aging. I also am pretty active on Instagram at Dr. D-R, Janine, J-A-N-N-I-N-E, Kraus, K-R-A-U-S-E. And of course, there is my podcast, The Health Fix Podcast, where I talk about anything and everything. And I have Dr. Anthony on as well. (laughs) Nice. Well, thank you. I mean, I would call this truly like a power hour. Like we covered a ton here and I really appreciate your wisdom. And the fact that you make this stuff fun, I smiled and laughed like the whole time. So that was really good. And I just appreciate your energy and and educating our community and everyone. uh, The links to this stuff will also be in the show notes, wherever you're watching or listening to this episode. So Dr. J, thank you for your time today and your wisdom. We appreciate you. Thank you, Dr. Anthony. Appreciate you too. Hey there, my friend. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Fit Mother Project podcast. If you love what you heard, I have a favor to ask you. Please consider taking 60 seconds right now to leave us a rating and review on our podcast. Leaving us a review is super quick. It only takes a minute and it's so, so helpful to us as it really boosts this podcast to reach more people who need this information and this message. If you're listening on Apple Podcast, you can leave us a star rating and review. If you're watching on YouTube, you can hit the like button and leave us a comment. Overall, I truly appreciate you being with us here on the podcast. On behalf of me and my entire Fit Mother Project team, we truly feel honored and grateful to support you and your family on your journey to fantastic health. I thank you for your support of this podcast and of this mission. Also, if you're interested in joining our complete Fit Mother program and becoming an official member of our community, you can visit our website, fitmotherproject.com. And on the Fit Mother site, you'll be able to see our complete Fit Mother program along with our online store with the best supplements designed for busy moms. And you'll also find a ton of free resources like recipes, workouts, meal plans, and more. God bless you and your family. This is Dr. Anthony Balduzzi signing off. I'll catch you on the next episodes of the Fit Mother Project podcast.